0: Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Now, before we even get started, I want to address the fact if I look over here like this, or I lean over there, uh, that's where the podcast recorder is. Podcasters, ones listening on the podcast, you probably don't even notice it. Well, of course you won't because you can't see anything. (laughs) But if you're watching on the videos, you're going to notice if I'm leaning in over that way, I'm looking at the podcast recorder. Um, video, if you're watching this on the video, um, you're going to be missing out on a lot of the higher quality audio that is on the podcast. The podcast, I am not hooking to the computer to do all of that. It's too much work to for me as a simple minister to sit here and fiddle with a bunch of different things to hook a podcast recorder to the computer to record the audio for the video and it's too much (laughs) you're still going to have the high quality microphone uh, that we've been using I just want to address that now and get that out the way but it will be easier uh, doing it this way because I'm not having like three different things open on the computer at once while recording the video and I wanted to make sure today that you guys actually had a video video and not a audio over the top of a picture video So, hi (laughs) you guys haven't seen my face in two weeks something like that right? Um, so here we are um, let's uh, hop right on into this Um, uh, but before we get started we always bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful gifts that He's given us. So let's do that now. Um, this is something that guys, you hear me say it while I'm praying here each time, but you should. When you wake up in the morning, you should thank God. When you go to bed at night, you should thank God. When you eat, you should thank God. We, we don't thank Him enough. There's so much that He does for us. We'll be in pain, but you know what? We should thank God that we're not in the worst pain. There are people out there who, who are bleeding from limbs that have been amputated. And I don't mean like medically. I'm talking somebody cut their leg off or a car accident or something. There's so much worse things that we could be going through. We should thank God that we're not going through those things. And you might be thinking, well how could it get any worse? It can get a lot worse. You should thank God you're not going through those things. So let's bow our heads and thank God for all the wonderful things that he's given us. Heavenly Father, we come to you today like we we do each week here. And like I just told them, Lord, like we should every day, all day. And just to say thank you. You've done so very much. You've given us so very much. You've given us air to breathe. You've given us food to eat. You've given us pets and children that we love and we care for. You've given us friends and family. You know, we have sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and grandparents. And we thank you for them. We thank you for all the great and wonderful things. We thank you for the blue sky that we see when we walk out our door. The green grass that we feel under our feet. The food that we eat and enjoy. The water that quenches our thirst. Everything that you've done, the the things we don't even see or notice, we thank you for them now. We thank you for them in the name of your Son, Jesus, who came so long ago to give us such a closer relationship with you. And we thank you, Father, in his sweet and loving loving name. Amen. So if you've been following along, whether over on the podcast or here on youtube or bitshoot or rumble wherever you're watching or listening you know that we've been reading the book of genesis and we've been doing it chapter by chapter verse by verse and we've been you know just breaking it down right we we take a we we, we might take one word and just break that one word down to what it meant when it was first written and that's what we do here right and, and here we are this week we're up in chapter 19 so if you want to get caught up, I invite you now to pause the video where you are, or the podcast episode. Go back in the archives and start at chapter 1, verse 1, and just come right on back here. And we we'll, will and tell you what, if you pause the video or audio, brothers and sisters, I'm waiting right here with you, okay? So, let's, um, let's go ahead and... Um, Last week, let's talk about last week, right? Last week we were reading as Abraham was pleading with God. He was pleading with him that he would spare the city, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, for the sake of ten righteous people. And just like we discussed, this was probably him counting Lot's family, right? Because he, he's, he's thinking of Lot's family. Because he, of course, he would assume that the city was safe with these 10 people and this week we're going to pick up with those two angels arriving there at sodom so let's go ahead and read we're going to read uh, genesis chapter 19 verses 1 to 38 we're going to read that whole chapter but of course we're going to uh, i just want to give you a heads up now and let you know that this will this will sermon today will be a two-parter. We'll finish it next week. But let's go ahead and read Genesis chapter 19 verse 1 to 38. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face towards the ground and he said behold now my lords turn in I pray you into your servants house and tarry all night and wash your feet and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways and they said nay but we will abide in the streets all night and he pressed upon them greatly and they turned in unto him and entered into his house and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread And they did eat. The evil men, um, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye, unto, do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came thy, they under the shadow of my roof and they said stand back and they said again this one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge now will we deal worse with thee than with them and they pressed sore upon the man even lot and came near to break the door but the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them, and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city? Bring them out. Of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons in law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto the, his sons in law. And when the morning arose, Then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my lord, behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not the little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted these concerning I have I have accepted thee, concerning these things also, that I will not overthrow this city, for that which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything, till thou become come thither. Therefore, the name of the city is called Zoar. The sun was risen up, the earth. When Lot entered into Zoar, the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities and the which Lot dwelt. And Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountain and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. And come, let us make our father drink wine, And we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father and they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with her father and he perceived not when she lay down nor when she arose and it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger behold I lay yesternight with my father let us make him drink wine this night also and go thou in and lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn a son and called his name Moab, the same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also a son and called his name Ben-Ami, the same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. Now, what we do here, if you're you're new here, which uh, I'm pretty sure you probably aren't, but I say this every time, right? We go back, we we reread the first verse that we read today, and then we break that verse down, right? So let's go back and reread verse one. And there came two angels to Sodom, at even and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom and Lot seeing them arose up to meet them and he bowed himself with the face towards the ground so there's these two angels right and we read here that they are two angels the same two angels right that visited Abraham with God last week with the Lord and like I said they were called men why because they had taken on human form Right? And we see that it says, Lot sat in the gate. Now, to us, of course, you know, modern people, this seems weird, right? That he would just be sitting there and it makes us think that uh, he's expecting them. But don't forget, just like I said when we were reviewing Job, this is where prominent people of the city, the city officials, they would meet at the gates of the city and they would do this so that they could uh, conduct community affairs all right and lot lot was a leader in the city M- maybe he was a judge i don't know but we know that because of this and because remember when this is written these people will know this w- the fact that lot is there tells us that lot is some kind of a prominent person in the city so let's reread verse 2 now And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night. Wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, behold, we will abide in the streets all night. Notice that he's inviting them in. And and he's doing this. By doing this, we see his invitation. It says, Turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house. He's, like I said, he's invited them to come in and and, and take part in his his hospitality. I think that this was not just some courtesy. I think that he's trying to protect them from those perverse people, those sodomites. Now, isn't it weird how even today we still call perverted sex sodomy? That's because this is where that word came from. Many people believed that Lot knew who these angels were and now I'm not saying that's not possible, okay it's very much possible. but either way, lot was trying he was trying to get them to come into his house to to safety away from the town. He wanted to do this before these evil people in this town came on them. Again, we see the word Lord here not capitalized this makes it clear that this is not the lord this is not god here you see they were sent here to see how evil this town was and that's why they wanted to be out there in the streets they wanted to see what would happen okay now let's look at verse 3 And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Do you see what it says? It says that he pressed upon them greatly. He was not. This makes it very clear to us. Lot was not going to allow these men to, to stay out there in the streets. No. We see that he's very much concerned. He knew what was going to happen if they stayed out there. Now, I'm going to show you something. Something you may never hear in a church anywhere. Did you hear or did you notice (laughs) what Lot offers them? He offers them unleavened bread. I believe that him doing this... By him doing this, I should say. He's saying that he is without sin. Now, why do I think that? That word, leaven literally means sin. Go look it up in any Bible dictionary. Google it. By him offering them unleavened bread, he's saying, I am without sin. Alright, let's look at verse 4 now. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. Now, you will hear a lot of people say that the group that's gathered outside of of Lot's door here is small. In fact, Even when you watch movies, it tends to be a small group of people. But no. Look at this again. Read that verse again. It says, the men of the city, all the people, the size of this mob that came there to Lot's house, the widespread nature of the perversion of Sodom is emphasized right there. It gives us a lot of qualifiers. It says, all the people from every quarter. It also adds, both old and young. And then in the course, when you look at the next verse, we see the request. It says, that we may know them. Even if you try to say that all was, oh, preacher, that's just an exaggeration. You cannot deny that this was a very, very wicked place. Let's go to verse 5 now. And they called upon Lot and said unto him, where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. They ask him to bring out these angels. It says that we may know them. Now, that word, know, when you look at the, all of the other original translations, you look at the Septuagint, you look at uh, the older versions of the Old Testament, What's the Septuagint one of the oldest. When you look at them that word no that you see here is the same no that w- that was used back in Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 Let's look at that one okay And Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. This is the carbal form of no. Carbal, which means sexual. So we know for a fact these are men, right? Because why? It said the last verse. No, this said men. And these men, men. Okay, are wanting to have sex with who they assume are men. Because remember, these angels came there in the form of what? Men. This is homosexuality. This right here is only a glimpse of the unspeakable possibilities of human depravity. They wanted to have homosexual sex with these angels. And as far as how God feels about that behavior, well, I think it becomes clear with what he does to the city. What does God do to Sodom and Gomorrah? He destroys it. Homosexual behavior is prohibited. It is condemned by God. It's condemned by the the one who created us. We read it several times in the Bible. You want to look at some verses with me? We'll look at some verses. All right, let's try first. Let's go to Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. Let's get out the one that's easier for me to find everything for you. <laughs> Leviticus right Leviticus eighteen twenty two, the King James Version says thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Let's try Leviticus chapter 18, verse 29. For whoever shall commit any of these abominations, even the souls that commit them, shall be cut off from among their people. All right, let's go to Leviticus again, chapter 20, verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman both of them have committed an abomination they shall surely be put to death their blood shall be upon them. Let's go to Romans chapter 1 verse 26. Let's see what Paul had to say. Romans chapter 1 verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now that's speaking of of homosexuality. Okay, let's go to First Corinthians chapter. Uh, Paul, it was just Paul as well. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adul- adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Again, abusers of themselves with mankind is speaking of homosexuality. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. For whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjurers, persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, do you see what I'm showing you here? The Bible makes it very clear that the act, that this act, which is called an abomination, a sin. Okay. Later on, the law made it. One of the, uh, it made it a, a capital offense. They grouped them together with things like incest and bestiality. Not only that, but the city of Sodom was so evil that the, per, the people who perpetrated participated, I should say, in group sex, okay, God showed the angels everything that, the, that this city was involved in. All of them, except maybe lots of immediate family. These men, they didn't give it up freely. And Lot's response shows us the tension of his ethics. You see, him offering to gratify their lusts is actually a contradiction. It's a contradiction of his pleas for them not to act. He called it wickedly. This contradiction makes it clear. That the spirit that he lived under here in Sodom, right? Take a look let's take a look at something. Let's let's turn to Second Peter chapter two, and we're gonna look at verses six and seven. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an over with an overthrow making them an example or an ensample I should say unto those that are that after should live ungodly and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked all right so let's go back to where we were let's go back to Genesis chapter 19 we're going to look at verse 6 now And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut the door after him. It says, let's read that. It says, and Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Right? This would not be the, it's not the actual door like you usually see. This, this would be like the door of a passage to his house, like a little tunnel maybe, uh, meaning like a courtyard door. And the reason I say this is because this was a different word, okay? Unless there was some reason they used one for a proper door and the other one like a hatch, maybe. You see, him shutting the door was probably a precaution. It was a way of keeping these men from rushing in, right? And grabbing a hold of these two angels in a violent way. If he was out there, he, he could tr- at least try to argue with them, right? To, to, to prevail on them. Hey, brothers, we need to stop. You know, Stop this madness. Let's look at verse 7 now. And said, I pray you, brethren, do not sow wickedly. The violence of these citizens, is, it, it, it's now on display they 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 have surrounded Lot's house they're demanding that these two men be brought out so Lot must have he must have become familiar with this he, he must have knew that this type of activity takes place why else would he have even offered up his daughters to these men sure sure you can assume that it was spoken rashly you know in the heat of the moment Maybe he even thought that they, they're they not going to accept. They even try to frighten him, don't they? They say, stand back. Trying to get him to allow them to, to get their way. What we're reading here seems to justify what we read of these depraved people. Let's look at Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. All right, now turn with me to Genesis chapter 23, verse 13. And he spake unto Ephron and the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me, and I will bury my dead there. Just think about that. You see, these crimes are one of the uh, most disgraceful things. It's so bad that the Bible The Bible can't even describe it. It's marked, though. And it is the origin of that word, like I said, sodomy. But here we see Lot. Lot is trying to to win over these neighbors. He's trying to persuade them to stop this. He tells them, not do this wickedness. He tells them that, that these men are his guests. Don't abuse them. You know, not, don't break the law. Uh, the, you know, the rules of hospitality. Let's go to verse 8 now. Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do ye to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. For therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. You see there? He's telling them, I have two daughters. This is just... For lack of a better term, okay? This is amazing to me. To think that a father would offer his daughters. And it makes it more remarkable that this is the offer of not just anyone. This is a believer. And he tells these men... Do ye to them as is good in your eyes. You see, this is taking place, right? While Lot has these men under his care, under under the rules of hospitality. And that is the only way that I can think of this as not... Bear with me. Not so bad. He's offering his daughters to these men because in his eyes... This action is less wicked. How many times do you hear people all the time talk about the lesser of two evils? Right? And, and that's what Lot seeing it says. But it's foolish. And it shows that even though Lot was right with God, you know, he, he had made himself content with some sins, which weakened his faith. He did what? He compromised, right? And what is the rule that I've told you over and over and over again, right here on Sermons in the Park, I've told you, do not compromise. Never compromise. Lot was so happy with his life in Sodom that he would rather compromise on these sins instead of leaving Sodom. But we see God being gracious here he's gracious with lot why because he was righteous by faith like i said it baffles me why lot would would stay here in this very wicked city he knew how perverted these people were i think that the bible showing us lot offering his daughters to these face it perverts as a way of showing us that sex between opposite sexes even though yes it was bad i'm not saying it wasn't that it's not as bad as homosexuality god does call it an abomination remember anyway remember that these girls are virgins and i think that this shows us just how perverse sodom and gomorrah was Lot was calling these men his what? He's calling them his brethren. These evil, these wicked men. And I think that that's a bad thing. Right? You see, Lot is either overlooking these these men's sins and, and, and fellowshipping with them, or he's involved. And either way you look at it, that's terrible. The fact that Lot is offering his daughters to these evil and wicked and perverse men, that doesn't speak too highly of him, does it? Now, let's let's, let's, let's move on. Let's move on to verse 9. And they said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fellow came in to sojourn and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal with thee, then with them. And they pressed more, pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. Now remember how I said that Lot must have been a judge. Well, look right there. It says, be a judge. This seems to be them saying that, that Lot had, had made some sort of moral pronouncement but now now they will no longer tolerate it does this sound familiar brothers and sisters anyway then it says that the followers pressed sore their homosexual deviation was at an uncontrollable level They just could not restrain themselves. Even if they were blind, they would try to fulfill that lust. They they were so full of lust that they would not let Lot restrain them. They even call him an outsider. Remember when I did my sermon on adultery? Remember what I told you? I told you that one seed, one sin, (laughs) hey, I called it a seed. One sin will lead to another and another and another. These men here, they're about to break into Lot's house. The next couple of verses, we're going to watch as these men, that these men that Lot's trying to protect, these angels have to protect him. Let's move on to verse 10 now. But the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. The fact that it says, "But the men put forth their hand," <laughs> I see it. I, I when I when I see this, I kind of picture them throwing open that door, reaching out a hand, one grabbing him on one side, the other on the other side, and then it says, "Pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door." So these two angels, they 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 essentially rescue Lot from the this crowd who's angry at him and they also they also prevent him from exposing his daughters to that mob don't they this shows that these are not normal men doesn't it they did this so quickly so suddenly that the men of sodom were not even able to take advantage of it also lot was unable to stop them from bringing him inside right Let's look at verse 11 now. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Now, to me, this verse is always interesting. Even reading it now, it's interesting. It says, And they smote the men with blindness. I want to say this. As I was researching, I found that this verse had been debated a lot. Different scholars always have a different take on it. But there are two camps as far as I've seen. First, some believed that these angels were using the power of God and that they just took away the men's sight meaning they just fully took it away or they somehow caused some kind of a confusion and they just couldn't tell like where they're at maybe their vision was blurry or something or the second one that i've seen was that there are those who believe that the angels caused darkness to come down making it just hard for them to to find lot store if you ever read the a, a book called the book of wisdom of solomon you'll see that the that the author of this book definitely follows along with this he says that they were compassed about this uh with horrible great darkness we see something similar with elisha and the syrians in uh second kings 618 come let's go read that real quick And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Now, I'm sure that I do not need to tell you that the men here, are these angels, and they're pulling a lot back into the house. Just like how uh, punishment has fallen today on people who who commit this very sin, you know, God punishes these men with blindness. You know, look at the people who commit this sin today. They they will not turn back. Well, neither did these men. In my opinion, you know, Lot made a mistake. He made the mistake when he stayed there in in this evil place. You and I, we need to separate ourselves from evil. Amen? Alright, let's move on to verse 12 now. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place." Notice, we're seeing the angels, they're they're taking the steps right here. They're attempting to deliver Lot and his family before they destroy the cities. Notice how they're also including his relatives. You see, it's a blessing to be connected to a righteous person. The mercy of the Lord prevails. The angels they use just a little violence to make their escape quicker. Look here as we read, and the men said unto Lot. The angels they start to reveal themselves to him once they have him back in the house. They start to let him know why they're here. They ask him, "Hast thou here any besides?" They do not ask this because they're ignorant. Even though angels are not all-knowing about mankind. I know a lot of you are sitting there going, but, but, but. They're not. They're not all-knowing. We're not going to get into that here. (laughs) But as a way of showing regard for Lot, what they're doing here, they're asking him, son-in-law... Thy sons, thy daughters. They're asking him if he has any son in laws, you know, that are married to his daughters, right? Or maybe a son who lives in another part of town, or maybe a grandson. That's what Jarky tells us, or even any other daughter, you know, that's not there. We would be short sighted to believe that these two daughters here are all that Lot had, okay? a lot of people think that it's that he, but you have to be short-sighted to believe that what they're doing is they're asking him to hey get your family so we can leave okay all right let's look at verse 13 now for we will destroy this place because the city of them is waxing great before the face of the lord and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Look what it says right there. It says the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now, now that they have confirmed, yes, this city is very wicked. The only outcome was judgment. But they were going to help Lot's family escape. This right here is going to be a quick and sudden destruction. God would not put up with this. All right, These angels here, they had their orders. And those orders were to call fire down from heaven. Here we see them warning Lot and his family, Hey, it's time to get out of here. All right? Verse 14. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy the city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. Seemed as one that mocked. That is a very odd saying to us now, isn't it? But what this does is it tells us that they thought he was joking. All right? With this being his sons-in-law, we know that these men were married to his daughters. But the two that lived with him were unmarried, right? So he must have had other daughters. Unless maybe it means that these are his, fi- what his daughter's fiancés. But that's not what it says, though, is it? Anyway, this makes it seem like his testimony had degenerated in the, to the point that his family members just didn't take him serious. If you ever sit and talk with me about sin, you're gonna hear me speak of someone having a reprobate mind. Right here in this story of Sodom, we see an example of that, of a reprobate mind with the sons of the sons-in-law of Lot. They are So caught up in their pleasures. And let's say that they are the two daughters' husbands. The ones that we read about, the the virgins. If that's true, then we know that the daughters are are virgins. So if these are those, those daughters' husbands, that means they haven't had sex with them. These men did not know God why would they be, why would they believe this warning this could also tell us that when the men of the city were were struck blind that it was not only physical but a spiritual blindness as well all right let's let's move on verse 15 and when the morning arose then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife, take thy daughters, which are here, lest thou consumed in the iniquity of the city. It says, And when the morning arose, this means that it was the break of dawn. The sun just the sun was still not full in the sky yet. If you look forward, it had not even risen until they reached Zoar in verse 23. He had not even returned from his son-in-law's house by the time the light started to come up. It says, Then the angels hastened Lot. They started to rush him out of his house as fast as they could. The verse tells us, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here. I'm not the only one that believes that Lot had other daughters. Okay? Ezra and others have also said the exact same thing. They, that Lot had other daughters who had married these men of Sodom. But the phrase, which are here, or are found, or are present, is talking about his wife as well as his daughters. This tells us that he should take all of his relations that are there, that are present with him. All right? Verse 16. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. Notice what it says. It says, The Lord being merciful unto him. This is true. This is true. But remember, it was also because God remembered Abraham, right? And, and that is why when Lot seemed reluctant to leave, that's what it says. Read the verse again. He was reluctant. The, the, the angels, they grabbed a hold of them. They forcefully escorted them away from the city. It's not like you see with the angels walking along beside of them or flying behind them. No, it says the angels basically are forcing him out. It's hard to believe that Lot and his family were so slow to leave, isn't it? They had to be led away from this place by these angels. I never see any sign in the story of Lot where Lot seemed to make a stand for God. Not once. But still, God showed him mercy. And all because of Abraham. And also, he seems to have befriended these two angels as well. We can tell that the uh, the uh, <laughs> lack of a better word phrase the urban lifestyle was superior to a a lonely one in the mountains because we see a lot playing on the mercy that he's being granted here. He's negotiating with them for an alternate an alternate place to go, a city. The angels tell him that this city was part of the judgment. But you know what? They're going to spare it for His sake. That's right. Read on with me. Let's go to let's go to uh, to verse seventeen now. And it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, "Escape for thy life! Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed." So, when they brought them forth, all the words here are spoken emphatically. Escape for thy life. You're in immediate danger. Your life and your soul are both at stake. Look not behind me. You have little time to escape. Do not linger. One look behind you and you will perish. God condemns you not to. They say, Neither stay thou in all the plain. Remember, God was destroying this place. They tell them to escape to the mountain because there would be no judgment there. It was there that God wanted them to find refuge. The verse says, lest thou be consumed. What happened was an ordin- was not an ordinary judgment. Fire from heaven burned the cities and the plain and every one that remained there both the beginning and the end of this are all addressed to his what his personal feelings skin for skin Yea, all that man hath will he give for his life and self-preservation right this is the first law of nature and and compared to that, every other consideration is minor and unimportant. You see, Lot and his family, they had to leave everything behind, their home, their stuff. But they should be thankful. They still had their lives. What was we just talking about at the beginning when I was before prayer? They still had their life the destruction of sodom was so bad it was so widespread the only safe place to go was to the mountains and remember they were warned to what not look back verse 18. and lot said unto them oh not so my lord Lot said, Oh, not so, my lord. He tells them that he cannot escape into the mountains. Isn't this a strange lack of faith and fortitude? It's so strange that he would believe that the one who who had saved him and his family would not protect him in the mountains. Let's suppose that there are three people present not thinking of the two that that had left him after they brought him here okay we just know that he's addressing one the one that told him to go into the mountains he says let me not go into the mountain <laughs> verse 19 <laughs> and it came I'm sorry, Behold now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight and thou hast magnified thy mercy which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life and I cannot escape to the mountain lest some evil take me and I die. He said, Behold now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. He's talking about God sending these angels to warn him about what's going to happen to Sodom. They they plucked him out of the burning coals, and they placed him outside the city. And they're encouraging him to flee for his life. The verse says, And thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. He's admitting right, that it was the mercy of this person, and, and, and he knew it and he acknowledges that it was the divine one who, who saved his life. It was exceedingly great that he would spare him and his family when so many were going to perish. That he would have perished with the rest if he had not had the notice. The verse says it. It says, "...and cannot..." This should say but now I cannot because he's talking about his escape to the mountains right he's saying that it's too far for him to escape to he's talking about his own strength he's saying that it would that his own strength would not hold out that he would fatigue he hadn't slept the night before but think about it this is God helping him escape. This is more of a, a, a mental fatigue than a bodily one. He does still go to the mountains, okay? Let's, let's, let's look at that. He does still go to the mountains. He says here, lest some evil take me and I die. I think that he's more talking about Sodom here and the other cities, you know, the plain. He begins to, to distrust in God's power to uh, strengthen him so that he can get to his there to the mountain even though god was appearing so wonderfully to him god's physically delivering him here think about that how can he assume that the one who brought him out of sodom would even allow him to perish in the destruction of it this is like when someone prays for healing and then says oh But if you can just take away the pain enough for me to sleep. Yeah. Because it might dim the lights of heaven if you're fully healed, right? God will heal you completely, He will take you all the way. Amen. All right, let's go to verse 20 now. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. The mountain that he was being told to flee to was preserved because of its elevation from the flood of rain, right? Sulfur. And the fire that that descended on, on the low ground that the cities were built on. And we're reading that Lot, he's begging to flee to some small town. He's, he's shrinking away at the thought of fleeing into the mountains. And, and yes, his request is granted. This is Lot praying to God. Uh, now, again, how can Lot question God like this? He realizes that God's merciful, but still he wants to, to alter God's plan for him. Lot did not want to live in the country. He would have to work with his hands if he did. (laughs) Right here, brothers and sisters, is a true city boy in the Bible. (laughs) Anyway, let's read on and see how the Lord answers this prayer. Verse 21. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken so I will not overthrow this city not only does God spare Sodom until Lot is safe but he spares this city Bella because of lots prayer this is the strongest illustration in the Old Testament of eternal security of backslidden believers. Despite despite Lot's apostate, the New Testament assures us that he was a, a, a righteous man, meaning that he's redeemed, and that he had a righteous soul that was vexed with the unlawful deeds of the sodomites, his neighbors. Take a look with me, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8. For that righteous man dwelling among them is in seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. There is no doubt, okay, that Lot will, will be among the ones who shall suffer loss Even though he himself was saved by fire. Look at First Corinthians three fifteen If any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. All right, verse twenty two now. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore, the name of the city was called Zoar. So, he tells him, haste thee, escape thither. So, after he grants his request, he hastens him, right? He's more urgent for him to go. Don't delay for any reason. Don't make any excuses. He says, I cannot do anything till thou be come thither. This shows us, right, they had strict commands. They had to take care of Lot and his family first. That the justice, you know, could not happen until this righteous man and his family have escaped. This is consistent with the decree of God that, that Lot and his family would be delivered and preserved. And with his promise made, he would not overthrow the city. So, This catastrophe would would fall on all the cities at once, but but only after Lot and his family were safe. The verse says, Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. Now, in later times is is what it means here. It doesn't mean it was known as Zoar then, it becomes known as Zoar later. It's possible that it was probably called this first by a lot, okay? Remember, he called it little. And Zoar, the word Zoar, means little. Before this, the city was called Bella. Take a look with me at Genesis chapter 14, verse two. That these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and with Bersha king of Gomorrah, Shinob, king of Admah, and Sh- Shim Shimabur, King of Zoboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zoar. We read that before Lot's prayer the city had been set for destruction, don't we? But the lord he spares it so that lot can stay there like i said the name zoar literally means little the angels they, they rush lot they're telling him to hurry up hurry up so we can do we can do this they're rushing him aren't they <laughs> all right verse 23 the sun was risen upon the earth when lot entered Zor, and the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. This is, this here most likely is, the reason we're reading this is most likely, all right, a way to tell us that, what time it was. What time it was that, that Lot left, what time it was he entered the city. It also tells us what time Sodom began to burn. Why do I say that? because it's happening at the same exact time. Some say that it even tells us what what a fine morning it was. Do you understand that? And also how unexpected the weather was. Even the people of Sodom who woke up early would not have expected it, as well as the ones in bed who were also surprised. It was a morning of light, of joy. It was a joy for Lot and his family. They had been delivered. But it was dreadful for the men of Sodom and all the other cities. Because they were suddenly surprised by the fire from heaven. Always like, always think of Lot. He, he did not cheerfully obey the commands of God. No, he's appealing to the mercy that that were being shown to him, and that it was impossible for him to escape to the mountains. He's begging to be allowed to go to this little small city, the city of Bela, which later was called Zoar. All right, let's, uh, let's go to verse 24 now. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and the fire from the Lord out of heaven. Did you catch what it says there? We see the Lord in in two places at once. He's in the sky where the storm comes from. And he's on the earth that it falls on. He's He's in both places at the same time. It says brimstone and fire from the Lord of Heaven." So remember, we just read how it had just become morning, right? And that it was judgment, that that is when judgment fell. Many people have tried to use the natural, the scientific explanation for these sulfur deposits, saying that the Lord used these deposits to destroy the area. But that falters, doesn't it? It falters on how emphatic the Bible is that this was a miraculous judgment. It calls it brimstone. And that, that could mean many, 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 many different Inflammable substances, maybe a volcanic eruption taking place during an earthquake and an electrical storm, you know, overthrew, as verse 25 says. There are many who believe that this area is actually underneath the southern end of the Dead Sea. You, you you may be one of those, you know, I, I was for a long time. Just imagine burning gas, sulfur, magma all blew into the air and buried the region. There are also some some people who believe that this was uh, a meteor shower that it, that it burned up the area. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe all of these things happened at once. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about the hand of God here. And God can do anything he wants. If God wanted fire to appear in front of my door right now, there's nothing that I could do about it. There's nothing over there that could burn, but poof, God says fire. There's fire. That's on God. He can do what he wants, and he can do it when he wants. So, yes, it could have been a volcanic eruption. Yes, it could have been a meteor shower. Yes, it could have been an earthquake. It could have been many, many, many things. The Bible doesn't tell us, does it? It just says that brimstone rained from heaven. So I say brimstone rained from heaven. But the Bible doesn't give us any other explanation for it and how many times do i say it if the bible doesn't tell us what it is it's not important all right let's move on verse 25 now and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities And that which grew upon the ground. Notice the wording there. It says, and he overthrew those cities. This is telling us, of course, that the Lord rained down the fire and brimstone from the sky. Right? What we could compare this to today would be an atomic blast. It was judgment from the Lord. We know from other books that we've reviewed here, like Judges, That sometimes the Lord will use other nations to bring judgment upon the people, right? But here in this case, he does it himself. He had already explained that it, it, it it would not be just the city that was destroyed. But it would be everything. All the people, all the trees, all the living creatures. Verse 26. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Alright, here's a verse that I knew a lot of you wanted me to get to. His wife looked back. This is Lot's wife, right? We see that she's paying the price. Because remember, the angel told him, he warned him, do not look back. But what does she do? she looks back and doing this she encases herself in salt she's not only not only is she encased in it but she became an example of disobedience we see that we will see a same attitude during judgment day i kid you not a lot of people will act the same way luke chapter seventeen Luke chapter 17 verses 29 to 32. Jesus is speaking. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. She could not help but look back as her city was being destroyed. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. All right, how about Romans chapter 9, verse 29? Let's go look at that one. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we have been as Sodom, and been made like unto Gomorrah. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person a preacher of righteousness bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly now interesting description isn't it it says that she became a pillar of salt we see in the new testament where jesus uses the same incident when he warns people not to look back that's right there in luke chapter 17 Verses 21 to 33. And he said unto the disciples, Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And he said unto the disciples, The day will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here and see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning, the lightness out of the one part under heaven, shineth upon the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of his genera- of this generation. And as it was in the days of noah shall it be also in the days of the son of man they did eat they drank they married wives they had they were given in marriage until the day that noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all likewise also as it was in the days of lot they did eat they drank they bought they sold they planted they builded but The same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I think that it was more than her just looking over her shoulder. Like, like we see in, in, in most accounts of this, I believe that she kept, she kept lingering behind. She wanted to look back she missed you know she missed all of her her things all of her possessions knowing that they were being buried by the explosions and the destruction this reminds us that being disobedient to god can bring about an instant and sudden destruction just like what we see happen to lots wife here the bible tells us that when we put our hand to the plow Don't look back. Don't look back. There's nothing back there for you. Alright. Verse 27. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. So right here in this verse, we're back there with Abraham. And it says that, and Abraham got up early in the morning. I, I don't know about you, but... I think this means that he just got very little sleep. He was thinking about the cities and the fact that they were going to be destroyed. You know, he he was concerned for Lot and his family. The verse says, to the place where he stood before the Lord. This takes us back to last week. This is speaking of where he stood with God, where he was speaking with God, where he had been praying. He went there and he stood there. He was waiting for the answer to his prayers. Maybe this place was in eminence, where he could just see the plain of Jordan, where the cities were, right? And, and that that it was what we get when we read the next verse. All right? Let's look at verse twenty eight now. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards the land of the plain. And behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of the furnace. Did you get that? It says, and he looked. Sorry. (laughs) And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and towards all the land of the plain. He was looking off. Looking off in that direction, right? trying to uh, to see what was going on in those cities. I believe that even though we don't read it, that the Lord had given him a hint that the destruction of those cities would be in the morning. So so he rose up. He got up early and he got to where he needed to be so he could see it. And if this place wasn't in eminence, meaning it was up there high, he could see any sign of it, right? Then it says, and beheld and low The smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So after the fire had fallen from heaven and the cities were were burned, the smoke would would have floated up just like the smoke of the mythical Babylon will do when it falls in Revelations 19.3. And again they said, Alleluia! And her smoke rose up forever and ever, just like the reek of a boiling cauldron, or as Jarky puts it, like the smoke of a lime kiln always burning. All right. Now, let's look at verse 29, and we're going to leave it there for today. And next week, we'll come back and we'll finish off the rest of the chapter verse 29 says and it came to pass when god destroyed the cities of the plain that god remembered abraham and sent lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in the which lot dwelt you see it's talking about those great cities it says the cities of the plain as you may know Archaeologists have continually been looking, trying to find Sodom and Gomorrah. And the best evidence that they have says that it's located under the southern end of the Dead Sea, in the area that is south of the Lysine Peninsula, just out to the east. Then the verse says what? It says that God remembered Abraham. You can see in this story that that God did remember Abraham. He saved Lot, Abraham's nephew. Like I told you earlier, I do not see Lot being... There's no sign that Lot lived a righteous life, okay? But he was saved, like you, you are, like I am. And he saved by grace. It was because God remembered Abraham. The description of this destruction is similar to hell, is it not? The only difference is, this destruction ended. Hell? Hell will be eternal. You will burn. If If you are not saved, you will burn eternally there will be no quenching your the flames there will be nothing that can save you it's just burning forever and the description of the hellfire is not like fire that you and i think of brothers and sisters when you read in your bible and you read the description of what it's like when you read in that 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 um the story of the rich man Lazarus, he's, he's experiencing it on his tongue, he wants, that, he wants that fire on his tongue quenched. So wherever your sin is, whether it's thieving or whatever, that will constantly be a fire, that will constantly be burning. You will feel it all the time, forever. There will be no quenching that flame. I don't want that for you, I don't want that for anyone. I don't want that for myself. No one should have to experience that, but what does the Bible say death is? It's wages. The wages of sin is death. You're being paid what you are owed. Anyway, thank you for joining me here. I know this one was this one went a, went a bit longer than I thought it would. <laughs> it's been an hour and a half, right? Um, but I want to thank you all for joining me here. Um, I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep each and every one of you. I pray that this finds you in health, this finds you in joy, this finds you in peace. I pray that the Lord keeps you, blesses you, and that and and that His 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 glory shines upon you. I love each and every one of you. I, um, if you were, don't already, go follow me over on the podcast. If you're over on the podcast and you don't already, go follow me on YouTube or Bitshoot or Rumble or wherever else. Come message me on Facebook. Just say hi. Go on Twitter. Message me. Hi. I, I will answer you. Um, I love each and every one of you, and I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep you, as I said. and um, Keep me in your prayers, guys, and I'm going to keep all of you in my prayers. I love all of you. May God continue to bless you and keep you, and I'll see you all here next week or whenever the next podcast is. God bless you. Oh, thank you.